Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Welcome back, everybody, to the Talkbuster Podcast. As always, this is the Chippa, Chris Chipman, the host of the Talkbuster Podcast, the only internet show where you hear me talk to random people and friends and family about working at Blockbuster Video. Um, as always, uh, I want to point you guys in the direction of my Patreon. Um, for the $15 tier folks, I like to say their name live on this show just to make them happy. Um, those people are Mason, Christopher Finnick, my mother, Patricia Chipman, and Hugh K. Campbell Jr., who goes by Green Goblin on Twitter and was a guest on this show um, back in the early days of the podcast, which in about a half an hour turns one year old. Um, 6-11-2018 was the very first episode of the Talkbuster podcast, and uh, exciting things to come. Um, right now, I'm going to leave a blank spot for the ad read, so this show is brought to you by... My name is Gibetto Funkin, One Shoe Stumble, Knackle Timber Shivers, at your service. I'm looking for some friends of mine. The Many Pennies? The Many Pennies. Them. I know we've been really busy, but I think that all we need to do is just tackle the next thing on this 24-item to-do list, and we'll be fine. Someone bring me some food. Also, my flask is empty. I need a refill. Nobody panic. I may have lost several scorpions. I said nobody panic. Check out this new skin patch on my cloak, guys. Guys? You know, I might be looking for someone else. I don't blame you. Adventure Incorporated, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition actual play adventure podcast. New episodes every Monday. Find us at AdventureIncPod.com. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest for the evening. Introduce yourself, good sir. Uh, yeah, this is Brett Klein. I'm the random dude tonight. The random dude, as opposed to the... all of those other random dudes. That's right. That sounds mischievous or illegal. Um, anyway, um, so t- tell me a little bit about yourself. W- where are you from? Uh, so I'm from Texas. Uh, I grew up in Houston. Went to school at the University of Texas, and then uh, moved to Dallas when I graduated. Very cool. And um, how uh, did was there um, a lot of video stores out in that area at the time? Like, what kind of drove you to to ending up with Blockbuster? 
So uh, it was actually my brother got a job at the Blockbuster down the street, and I was working at a grocery store, and it was a lot of hard work, a lot of heavy boxes, and I decided, you know what, this is not for me. Um, and so I checked with my brother to see if they were hiring and they sure, and sure enough they were. So, uh, just started, uh, uh, got an interview and started working there. And when was that? Uh, that was back in the summer of 89. Oh, so that four years in right at the beginning. Oh and, yes. And was which, which store was that? Was that in the Dallas or Houston area you said? Or? Uh, that was, that was down in Houston. That was, uh, at the champion store. Uh, it was a uh, pretty, pretty busy location. Cool. And how long we did even you, re- what was that? Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say we even rented laser discs. Oh, that's awesome. Y- y- I was <laughs> talking, I don't know if you've ever heard of a uh, scarecrow video. Have you heard of them before? I have not. So scarecrow video is, I, I had a guy, Matt Lynch on this show a few episodes ago who works for scarecrow video and they in 20. I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it was 2013 or 2014 became a nonprofit. They are now the um, world cinematic um, physical media archive. Um, and they they're government backed or at least they're not government backed, but they're, um, you know, privately funded by people like PBS, you know, nonprofit type deal. And they have. A hundred and forty thousand copies of physical media on vhs laser disc blu-ray dvd and they have stuff that even the national archive doesn't have which is wow. really cool they're in seattle yeah. and i would love to check them out sometime especially you know working through what you know you and i have worked it's like oh that would be just an awesome place to check out and just holding yeah, those man. holding those cover boxes right man that's, oh, that's yeah. all part of it <laughs> so so what um so you how long were you at the store level and um, where did you move up to, you know, to tell me the story of, uh, of Blockbuster. You want my CV? So, sure. uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, w- I, I started out uh, just part-time CSR uh, when I was in Houston. And then when I was in school in Austin, I worked at a couple of locations there. Then uh, when I graduated, I got a call from the zone financial manager with Blockbuster in Dallas, and uh, I got my degree in finance, and so he needed um, someone to fill in for his assistant who was on maternity leave. So I worked for about three months at the zone office, so uh, I got to... uh, you know, meet with the uh, zone VP and I'm trying to remember his name. It's, I think his last name was George, but I don't remember what his first name was. But anyway, uh, so I got to see a lot of the, uh, the big picture kind of view of, of how the operations ran from the zone level. So there were, I think at the time there were four zones in the country. So there was probably about a thousand stores uh, in our zone. And so, uh, you know, getting to see the big picture, uh, you know, the forest when I was working in the trees. So it was, it was an interesting, uh, interesting way to see how, how things worked at that level. Oh, that's really cool. So, um, how long were you at the, you said it was three, three months or three years. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I was there at th- for three months at the zone office, um, and then I went back to working in the stores. Uh, I was an assistant manager for uh, about two years and then became a store manager 
and I was a store manager, uh, let's see, probably about 10 years. Oh, wow. Damn. Yeah. So um, when did you, like, you know, obviously we, we can jump back and forth here. So where did that bring you to year-wise? Were you, were you still at the company when the corporate downturn started in the early oh, yeah. 2010s? Yeah. Yeah. I Well, so I left, originally I left Blockbuster as a store manager in 2000, at the end of 2005. Okay. And then I came back just to work part-time, um, just for the fun of it. Um I want to say it was 2011, and then I left again in 2013. Ah, you were there longer than me. I was. Uh, I started in late 2000, early 2001, and that store I worked at till about 2003, 2004. They traded a full-time assistant store manager for a part-time CSR because my old store manager from Salem got moved to a store to help fix it up it was um it wasn't doing very well the staff was kind of um hit or miss and moving around and uh, the store kind of got a little bit messy so he wanted to get some of his staff over there so i went over and then i worked for a long time over there i ended up becoming the store manager that was in woodburn massachusetts and i ended up becoming the store manager there that was the regional office for the area so they had um a downstairs where we did all our training and everything. So it was fun to work or interesting and fun to work every day where all the district managers and everybody were, you know, coming up to grab a soda, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything while right, we're working. Right. I, that was really cool. Um, yep. But uh, yeah, then I, I left there to go back to school. Basically I became the store manager and then decided, okay, my junior year is about to start and then ended up coming back and working as a CSR at the Swampskit, Massachusetts, which is right on the coast here near Lynn um, store and worked till about 2009. Nice. So it was, it was awesome. Like, like I said, it, it's a shorter period of time than, uh, and I'm sure you can attest to it, right? You, you think back on all the memories and stuff you make there and it's like, man, I, I feel like I was there a lot longer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, and what was interesting about my career is, um, you know, I had a lot of uh, unique experiences um, when I was working. The first store that I worked at when I was an assistant manager, um, one night I was closing and then the the store manager, I was an assistant. So I was closing the store and then the uh, store manager was coming in to do inventory with a couple of the CSRs. And we had a guy come in and he robbed us at gunpoint. Oh, and, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was fun. And uh, so I was the one that was behind the counter and the CSRs were out, you know, straightening the shelves, putting up movies, whatever. Uh, I had two CSRs on duty with me that night. And uh, so the guy came up to me and demanded the money. So, of course, you know, I opened the register. I was like, you know, have at it. And uh, so, you know, as soon as he left, you know, I'm on the phone with the cops and, and then I'm calling the the store manager and telling him what happened. So he comes in probably half an hour later and he's, he told this two CSRs, he's like, you know, you guys can go ahead and go, you know, it was, it was a traumatic evening. So you guys go ahead and go. And then he asked me to stay and do inventory. I was like, I'm the guy that got held up. Holy crap. Yeah. So I ended up staying and doing inventory. It was crazy. Oh my God. I know. That's uncomfortable. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, and then, I, I had one like that. We had the uh, fire extinguisher, the chemical fire extinguisher go off in the Dropbox. Oh like my. a video just hit it wrong. Doused the whole store. You know, just dust and sand or whatever everywhere. And corporate was like, yeah, you guys need to stay open. We're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you <Yeah>. serious? <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were going to say? I, I love the stories. Let's keep keep them going. Yeah, so uh, so then this is kind of a, a, a tragic story. This is how I got the blimp ride, by the way. So, oh, uh, okay. So um, about, I don't know, three months after the, the robbery, um, my district manager comes to me. And I don't know if you know this story about the first, like, mm-hmm. shooting murder at a Blockbuster store. No. But this at a store in Dallas um, the uh, there was an assistant manager in a CSR on duty and it was closing time and uh, somebody they had just locked the doors and somebody came to the door um, you know needing to use the phone or something I'm not sure what ruse he used but I think he said he needed to use the phone so unfortunately uh, they let him in and he pulled out a gun and and took the uh, CSR back to the office where the uh, assistant manager was, you know, counting the money and everything. Well, I, I don't think he had the money out at the time. But anyway, the uh, the robber demanded that he open the safe. And I don't know what happened exactly. Uh, it wasn't cl- made clear to me, but something agitated the robber and he ended up shooting the um, assistant manager and then shooting the CSR. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think I did hear about this. I think Dave Carrera, who was on my last episode, mentioned this. Like that was one of his reasons for moving corporate was to get out of the stores because of that. Because he was at Dallas. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, so then the district manager comes to me, and that store wasn't even in our district, but some somehow the district lines got redrawn. And like a, less than a week after the shooting, the district manager came to my store and asked me if I would go over there and be an assistant manager at that location. Wow. So, yeah. So I told him I would. And uh, so I went, um, I drove by the store like it was on, it was on a Saturday and I was supposed to start on Monday, uh, Monday afternoon. So I drove by the store just to see where it was because I had no idea where it was. Um, and so I drove by and there's all these like flowers and candles and cards and stuff by the front door. And I'm like, oh, man, what have I got myself into? Um, so then I, I went back on Monday to start working there. And as I'm and I kid you not, as I'm walking in and going to the office to talk to the store manager, they are carrying out one of the uh, file cabinets, the candy cabinets. Oh. And it, had, it had a bullet hole in it. And oh. I was like, oh, my Jesus. God. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I started working there and and uh, we had so the Dallas region had they, they hired off duty officers to to work in the evenings uh, because of this incident. And uh, it, it was like the CSRs were like scared. I mean, if 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 it started to get dark and the off-duty officer hadn't shown up by by then, 
they were like, you know, we're not going to stay. And so I had to get on the phone and be like, hey, we're the reason why we have these off-duty officers. So, you know, this store should be the first one every night to get one. And so, uh, so that it was a real challenge. I mean, just when when your employees are afraid to come to work, I mean, it's that is a challenge. Yeah, that's wow. Yeah, we had quite a few that left because of what happened. And I don't blame them. I mean, geez, for what they were getting paid and all that, I was like, I understand if you, you know, want to do something else. But uh, so so then um, I want to say it was like three or four months later because um, this happened around Easter time. And I think during the summer, um, the Blockbuster Blimp was headquartered in Fort Lauderdale where the corporate office was at the time. Yep. And they were flying across the country to California to cover some some event. I don't know what it was. But uh, they were they were going to fly across the country, and so they stopped in Dallas because we're kind of halfway, and uh, so they were they were offering rides to store employees, and because of what had happened at my store, you know, they asked us first, you know, if we wanted to do that, and so I one of the CSRs and I um, got to go on the blimp, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, that's actually a. I mean, you're like you said, it has a tragic beginning. It's cool you got to go on the blimp. Yeah. Yeah, kind of bittersweet, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, but wow, yeah. I, yeah, never had any uh, times where I guess we were afraid to be working. The, the store in the city I live in, in Lynn, was a pretty rough store. They they got robbed a lot. But um, no one ever got hurt, thankfully, yeah. that I remember. We had a, um, someone set our trash can on fire. Not like right. put a cigarette butt out in it, but like deliberately did it. That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, riding the blimp was cool. It's it's It was smaller than I thought it would be. Like the gondola part of it uh-huh. where you ride was smaller than I thought it would be. It was uh, basically a little bit larger than the interior of a four-door car. Um, basically, there was bucket seats up front for the pilot and co-pilot. And then the back was like a bench seat where three people could sit. And then the door to get in and out was kind of wide because they had to bring in like camera equipment and stuff when they were, you know, at games doing the blimp stuff for the games. But mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was it was very loud. I remember that we had to wear headsets so we could hear each other, kind of like if you're on a helicopter. But uh, it was pretty neat. We got to go over um arlington where six flags is and got to um the the rangers new ballpark had just opened so we got to we flew over the ballpark and got to check it out it was it was pretty neat yeah it sounds it definitely don't know one around here that got to go on the blimp that's for sure <laughs> i got a I got a pin for it but i don't know where the pin is i lost it years ago oh bummer yeah you if, know, if- if you have any um, any stuff around that you want to take photos of and send to me, I'll I can share it with the episode when it goes up. People love that stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. I've got a. Uh, I'll have to dig around, but I think yeah. I've got a few few pieces of memorabilia. I have a Carl and Ray somewhere. Nice, dude. I have the uh, the gumball machine from the store I worked in. 
Yeah. And uh, we bought it when they closed in 2013. My brother bought it for me and it still had the Carlin Ray themed gumballs in it that I put in in the year 2000. Oh, okay. So yeah, they're pretty good. Oh yeah, they're they're doing great. <laughs> Hard <laughs> that, as a rock, I bet. Yeah, that's a fun piece of memorabilia though. I I love that gumball machine. Yeah. Um so I I just jotted some notes down of things. Yeah, of course. Talk about, and, but, and, uh, and, and and like I told you, it's it's your show, man. Take this in whatever direction <laughs> you want. I I just like to, you know, I, I like to talk to people. I, I, I love um I love sharing our nostalgia. It's great that now this will be recorded somewhere and people won't have to forget it all. You right. know, this is, this is heading straight to the Smithsonian. I can tell. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> they, they, they pay me big bucks for this. No, that's right. As well. They should, as well. They should. So, uh, I was also, when I became a store manager, um, an opportunity came up. I was working in uh, the first store that I was a manager of was uh, in Louisville, Texas, which is a, a suburb that's kind of, it's on the north side, kind of between Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, and I'd opened that store and I was a store manager there for, I want to say like six or eight months. But uh, my boss came to me and said that there was a, um, they were going to be doing a new concept. And so, you know, I was all in for that. And so basically there was a, um, a super Walmart that was in Denton, Texas, and they were going to put a blockbuster video inside of the Walmart. And yeah, so it was the first ever in-store blockbuster. And, uh, so, you know, I jumped at that opportunity. That sounded like a lot of fun. And so uh, it was really, it was weird because it was kind of like making it up as you go. I mean, we were trying to figure out, because it was a small space. It was probably, I don't know, it was maybe 1,500 square feet, maybe. So it was kind of a small space and um, trying to get, figure out what merchandise we were going to put in and how much and how it was all going to work was, was a really interesting, uh, you know, figuring that out. And I got to work with um, people from different departments because uh, corporate at that, I think at that time, I'm trying to remember if corporate had moved yet or not. Right. Cause they moved to Fort Lauderdale, right? I'm sorry. They moved to Fort Lauderdale, correct? Well, from, at some point. from Fort Lauderdale back to Dallas. Right, right, right. To when that was. I, I don't get, no, I don't guess it had moved yet. But um, I, there were people that had flown in from, from corporate uh, that wanted to, you know, check it out. Merchandising, marketing people. They just wanted to see how it was all going to work out. And so it was neat to get to work with those folks. And then um, we had... Uh, franchise owners that would come from all over the world because this was, you know, this was kind of like a, a, ch- a cheap blockbuster, you know, because it was a small, uh, small footprint and it was inside of a larger store. So the rent was a lot cheaper. The overhead was a lot cheaper um, just because of the way it was configured. Um, and so uh, getting to work with those franchise folks too they would come in and, and check it out. So uh, unfortunately it, it, it started out really busy and then it just kind of 
died. So I don't know what Yeah, I don't know what happened with that, but it got really slow. And so uh, I moved on to another store. But uh, we did have a a drop box that was out in the middle of the parking lot. So every morning I would take one of the shopping carts and go out to the drop box and fill the shopping cart with all the the movies that have been dropped off. Is there more? (laughs) I don't think there's a more corporate America vision than a person in a blockbuster uniform pushing around a walmart carriage full of blockbuster tapes into a walmart that's hysterical (laughs) yeah i'm I'm actually i'm actually really surprised this didn't take off well and you know it it they did expand it um i know in the dallas market we did have we uh partnered with some grocery stores there was like a kroger's that we partnered, there were actually, I think there were like three Kroger stores. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kroger's in the yep. Northeast. Yep. Okay. We don't, yeah, we don't so, have them, but I know what it is. Yeah. So uh, we, there were, I think three or four Kroger stores that we put Blockbuster stores inside of. And uh, those were even smaller than the Walmart one, but um, they did okay, but it, they weren't, I don't think they performed as well as they had hoped. And this was, this was probably mid nineties. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'd say it was mid nineties when they were doing this. And was that Uh back, was that back in the time period where they were also like, they had the blockbuster entertainment or music stores as well. Cause I remember by the time I got there, those were kind of all gone. Yeah. I think the music stores were like early to mid nineties. Yeah. I don't I don't know that they had them in Dallas. Actually, I'm trying to think if they did. I know we bought out Sound Warehouse and there were some Sound Warehouse stores, but I don't think they rebranded those as Blockbuster stores. Blockbuster Music, but I know there were some in Houston. But I don't I don't think there were any in Dallas. Interesting. But uh, yeah, so that that was uh, a really unique experience. That's extremely unique. I don't I don't think I had ever heard that until you mentioned it tonight. Yep. Because I and know then, they kept trying to split our stores, like back in around the time where the I won't say the downturn started, but they you know the the mid two thousands where they were starting to try to branch out. We had had yeah, this. They had- they had Radio Shacks, where yep. it was like a yep. blockbuster slash Radio Shack. And then they had, um, I know the region office in Dallas, they had, uh, I think it was like a Papa John's yep. that they put in. So like part of the, I guess they sublet to Papa John's or something. I don't know. But yeah, they were they were trying to to get partners in so they can uh, increase the foot traffic. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But unfortunately, technology. Yes. So, uh, and then uh, the other really cool opportunity that I had was um, was being the the, uh, store manager of the World Headquarters store in downtown Dallas. That was when... uh, when corporate moved to downtown Dallas from Fort Lauderdale, and that was, I want to say, 98, maybe? That sounds about right. 
But uh, yeah, I, a friend of mine, somebody that I had worked with before was the original store manager there. And then she got a job upstairs in corporate. So this Blockbuster store was in the lobby of a skyscraper that was the world headquarters for Blockbuster. So Blockbuster had um, floors 21 through 32 and uh, the CEO's office was on the 32nd floor. But uh, when I took over the store, the very first day that I was there, um, I had to go up to the CEO's office because his assistant was in charge of the parking passes for the parking garage. And so um, Blockbuster fortunately paid for my parking pass because the garage that I parked in in downtown Dallas was like $13 a day. Jeez. Yeah, and this was back in 98, 99. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty pricey, but fortunately they, they paid for my monthly pass. So that worked out well, but, uh, yeah, I mean, working in the corporate headquarters store was just amazing because I got to, I got to work with, you know, people from all different departments, whenever they tried, they were going to roll out something new, they would, you know, ask me, okay, so how would this work in the store? You know, uh, if we change this, is that going to make life easier? Is it going to make it harder? Um, so I got to put, I had, I had some input in um, several different programs that they were rolling out. So um, I don't know if you remember Project Store. I do. Okay. Yeah. So um, I got to work with a lot of people um, on Project Store, which was really neat. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. But uh, the cool... One of the coolest things about that store is because it was downtown and, and basically most of our customers were people that worked in the office buildings downtown. We were open from eight in the morning until six in the evening. And it was interesting. That makes a lot Monday, of sense. And it was Monday through Friday. So we weren't open on the weekends. Wait a minute. So the corporate store the main one in the building yep where the blockbuster building got to have weekends off oh yes you know i am <laughs> so jealous right now i know I, I i always liked that outlook well well you don't have to get time and a half on sundays because you have the opportunity to work more days right it's like wait yeah. a minute what <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is your privilege good. Right. You get to work on Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was really interesting. And, and we, I mean, we did so many different, cause that store was, it was kind of more of a PR thing really than it was an actual like money-making endeavor because, um, I mean, they use that store like, like, um, the CEO was John Antiaco at the time. Yep. Um, Mr. Taco Bell, yes, and uh, <laughs> and uh, like he would do like if if they were doing interviews with him for magazines, you know, TV, um, newspapers, they would do the interviews in my store. So it would be like in the middle of the day, um, one of his assistants would call down and say, you know, hey, they're going to be doing an interview with John Antiaco in your in your store. Um, can you 
you know, make sure everything's ready for them. And I was like, okay, you know, how much time do I have? And they're like, oh, you got half an hour. So I was like, all right, well, great. thanks for the warning. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there were times when we actually closed the store in the middle of the day so they could do um, interviews with him. So that was pretty interesting. And they, I did, I did a couple of interviews for, I remember there was a uh, the one of the local news stations in Dallas. Um, their studios were right across the street from from our building, and so uh, they would come in and shoot like B roll film. Um, so whenever they did a a story about Blockbuster, which was quite often because you know our headquarters was right there in Dallas, um, they would show B roll of me working in the store, which was interesting. I'd have customers come in and say, hey, we saw you on the news last night. And I was like, really? That's it was, awesome. Because it was video that they shot like two years before, you know. So I was like, I didn't know. This stuff still has to exist somewhere. Yeah. Well, I'm I, sure. I, I found some Fox database. Yeah. Yeah. Fox 4 News in Dallas. I'm sure they've still got it somewhere in their archives. Yeah. I found some cool database a while ago of people that had just uploaded old VHS recordings of blockbuster commercials. Yeah. I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. I know. Right. Wow. What a difference. Wow. What a difference. <laughs> Indeed. But yeah, that oh, was, dude, this is fascinating. I, I, this is blowing me away. Like you, <laughs> you, you've, you've been everywhere. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, what else was cool is that, um, I got to open VIP accounts for celebrities so like our um, PR department would call down and they like, hey, so-and-so needs, uh, you know, we need to set up a VIP account for so-and-so. Some of these people, I had no idea who they were because they were like either investors in Blockbuster or just friends of high-ranking, you know, corporate types. Uh, but there were a few that that I knew pretty well. So uh, one of them, I and I don't know if you remember this story, but uh, Tom Cruise was in England, in the UK, and he was, I don't know if he was filming something or if he was just on vacation there or what, but there was an incident at a Blockbuster store in the UK that they wouldn't rent him. I remember. Because he didn't have ID or something like that. So the next day I get a call from one of the PR folks and they said, you need to set up a VIP account for Tom Cruise. And I was like, all right. So they, uh, so I set up his account and then they sent, uh, I, I don't know if they sent a card to him, a membership card or what, but, uh, yeah, I got that call the very next day and I was like, I know what this is about. <laughs> so. Tom Cruise never wants to be questioned again in a blockbuster. Right. Yeah. And that VIP membership, he gets all his rentals for free forever and ever. Amen. Or until blockbuster shuts down. Of course. Which will never happen. No, how could it ever? I mean, no, it's the world's largest video rental chain. It's it's larger than its next six competitors combined. It was so wild how busy we used to be. Oh yeah. How right. unbelievably busy. Well, I remember when I was a CSR starting out at that store in, in Houston that I would be on the register from four, like on a um, Friday or Saturday from like four o'clock until 10 o'clock. And I would not leave the register because yeah. I had a person, a customer in front of me 
all six hours. I mean, there was always, you know, a line. It was insane. It was absolutely chaos. Yeah, and to think it could go from that to not being in existence in, you know, well, that was 89 and, uh, you know, 2009, so 20 years or whatever, 30 years. Yeah. 20 years. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was really interesting. Another one, um, I had, uh, I got a call from PR because um, they wanted Jennifer Lopez taken off of Ben Affleck's account. <laughs> they, that was right after they broke up. They're like, yeah, you might want to take her off that account. Like, okay. Now, now that is fantastic. Yeah. That, that the, was it Blockbusters PR that did it? That made the yeah, call? but I think they must have gotten called by somebody in Affleck's camp. That's so funny. Like, yeah, you need to take her off the account. Like, all right. Oh, that's because that's my biggest concern. Oh shit, she might use my blockbuster card. Right? <laughs> she'll she'll rent like thirty copies of Geely and never return them. Thirty copies of Geely and distribute them throughout the world <laughs> to remind people. <laughs> that that movie actually existed. Oh no, not Geely. <laughs> yeah. And you you so you started in two thousand with Blockbuster. Yep. Yes, I did. So you so you missed Titanic. I missed being an employee for Titanic. Yeah. But my um my friends that are who are all a little bit older than me, who I ended up so Blockbuster was like my hangout, and I. I feel like that sounds sadder now than it did then <laughs> um, because the, these are all my friends. My wedding party was all people I used to work at this store with, you know, yeah. and um, so I was like 16. My brother worked for this blockbuster that I ended up working for. So on a Friday night, I'd drive up there and, you know, hang out for a half hour or so, watch something on direct TV and then go and pick up a few movies and you know sometimes I'd go there later and they'd get Wait, off direct work. TV or dish direct TV we had direct TV that blockbuster sold until dish bought them oh, okay oh that's yeah. right that's right I, I always found that. that super ironic yeah that was weird I remember yeah I remember going to the meeting where they were kicking off that we were going to be selling direct TV and one of the because uh, I was a smart aleck but one of the uh uh district managers that was doing the presentation or whatever he he asked you know so what are the advantages of having direct tv and being able to you know view movies on demand and i raised my hand i said you don't have to go to the blockbuster store <laughs> and everybody was like oh yeah and i was like yeah it's the beginning of the end when you start selling the competition at yep. your store <laughs> yep it's very weird right yep and yeah, so I was a I was a customer when Titanic came out. What the end of '98 on video, or was that yeah. the, or was that back still when things took two years to come out? I can never remember. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the release date was on that, and I don't recall. I thought but, uh, maybe it was in the summer, but I'm not sure. But I I was there for it because the uh, the store manager got like a captain's hat, you know, and <laughs> everything. And I think they did like a midnight release for it, if I'm not mistaken around here which is a weird yeah yeah we we did not do the mid because i was i was at the corporate store when uh when uh, that came out so we did not do a midnight release because only the homeless people were around at midnight 
And I don't think they wanted to buy that movie. But yeah, we sold. I mean, that was that was probably the single busiest day of, at that store. We sold like 300 copies the very first day. It was nuts. And I remember because we only had two registers because it was a small store, but we had two registers and we had lines like most of the day. And I remember at some point during the day, John Antiaco stuck his head in the door and asked me how things were going. And I'm like, busy. And that was pretty much all I said. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was crazy. And, and corporate, they did kind of a big thing for it. They, uh, we had, so our store was on the main, the street level of the lobby, but there was also a downstairs lobby. And so in the downstairs lobby, they had a string quartet and they had um, ice sculptures of of the ship um so that's they kind of had a party down there so that that's amazing yeah yeah it was really cool i got to go down there briefly when it died so, so, down. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I i just took that all in they had ice sculptures to oh, celebrate the release of titanic exactly that is hysterical <laughs> I don't know um, who came up with that, but that was a great idea. It's brilliant. Dude, um, so it was August 31st, 1999 was the video okay, release yeah. of Titanic. I, I it so it, it was actually two years before that came out on video. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a great. So um, after I worked for Blockbuster, just to kind of throw this in, but after I worked at oh, Blockbuster, I went to work for Borders Books because, you know, I, there's not enough stores for me to wreck. And, and bankrupt. So I thought, you know, hey, you know, Blockbuster's going down. I could see the writing on the wall. And I was like, well, I'll go to Borders Books because, you know, what could happen with a bookstore? And, of course, Borders Books. Womp, womp. And that's, a, that's another place that just seemed like it was going to be around forever. I loved okay. that store. Yep. And I so I so I was at Blockbuster when Titanic was released, which was the biggest movie release uh probably in the history of blockbuster and then i was at borders books when the last harry potter book came out and oh. that was insane that was just we so i was working at the store i was working at was in uptown dallas and it was a two-level store uh borders books and uh we had probably over a thousand people in the store that night and i mean it was just insane it was the craziest thing but it was cool being a part of both of those yeah they, i mean right that's it it seems you know when you're there like it's never gonna end like what yeah. else what what where's society gonna go this is like a pinnacle and then looking back on it it's like i can barely remember it it, it you know it yeah. it it's just the entire everybody just shifted the, what pe even even going to a movie theater now doesn't have the same kind of electricity it used to have yeah. you know for like a big movie release it used to be like you know I, I remember waiting in line to see the Phantom Menace in 1999 <laughs> and, and there hasn't been a movie since then where yeah. the the opening day crowd felt that way there's been theatrical experiences where it's like i've been in the theater and you know people just get excited you know but yeah. there's just something about the crowd there's something about everybody 
kind of almost like zombie like always being there for stuff like the fact that people could never get it through their head that if they just came in on a Thursday, they could and and just keep it for an extra day, you know, pay that late fee. Right. Right. And come in on Thursday, you're going to get that movie. We had 250 copies of but on Friday. (laughs) It's not going to happen. (laughs) You know, but wait, it's it's guaranteed to be there. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. The rain checks. And then I loved it. Then there was Movie Pass. That was fun. Yeah. And and people people really liked that up this way. Like, you know, it took it, you know, some people got annoyed by I didn't realize I was signing up for a subscription. And it's like, really? Like (laughs) (laughs) we've got you now. And we're never gonna let you go. What do you mean I have to put a credit card on my account? Exactly. You got to do the mwahaha laugh. Oh, man. So, um, so you had quite a time at Blockbuster. Those are some of the most unique stories I've heard from people yet on here. And, I mean, you got to yeah. work with John Antiaco. Yeah. Um, I had lunch was... with, uh, I don't know if you remember Mike Romer. Oh, yeah. He, he's the He was the president of domestic operations. So he basically had, like, 6,000 stores that he was in charge of. I think I met him. Yeah. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I met him during one of the big rollouts of something. He came around to like one store in each district. I I remember that. Yeah. So he, uh, he invited me, he, he and I, I, you know, I'd see him all the time around, uh, around the building. And uh, he took me out to lunch one time just to, you know, talk to me or just ask me about, you know, what it was, what the feelings were like in the store. And, you know, I was, I was pretty honest with him about, cause this was mid two thousands. Uh, this was shortly before I left and actually shortly before he left too. But, uh, you know, just, I, I remember telling him, I said, and this was probably 2000, I want to say this was like 2004, 2003, 2004. But I remember telling him, I was like, you know, in 10 years or, you know, we'll be talking about how we used to have to go to video stores to rent movies. Oh, yeah. Because because at that time, that's when, you know, streaming started happening. And the main the main uh, issue was, you know, compression and and delivery speed. to be able to watch the movies without, you know, buffering and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it was just a matter of figuring that out before, you know, that was going to be a reality. And so uh, I remember at that time there were streaming services that were starting. um, And so it was just a matter of time before they got it worked out. And and then, you know, we weren't going to need to be around. Yeah. I remember getting the, um, uh, issue of Video Store Magazine or whatever they called it. Um, yep. Was that what it was? I, I, yep. I think that's Video what it was. Magazine. And it had the red box on the cover. Oh, yeah. And it said, is this the end? <laughs> and I went, yeah. Yep. And that was hey, about actually, like 2008. Because uh, Blockbuster did have some some of those vending machine type setups. They did. On uh, college campuses, I think there were a few college campuses where they had those, and they actually talked about putting one out in front of my store. And when I was at the corporate office, and I was like, "You can put it in front of my store as long as I get the revenue from it." 
<laughs> I was like, I'm not going to lose money because you put a vending machine in front of my store. That's not going to work. The concept of the vending machines. I mean, it was something, again, that, you know, Blockbuster had thought about doing but never really committed to. And and uh, I think that was part of the problem all along is that, um, you know, I I remember going to one of the fourth quarter meetings and John Antiaco and uh, Mike Romer were both there. Um, and uh, we were, I, I had actually, we, they did like kind of an uh, open question session. And I had talked to a couple of the people that I was friends with in the online department. And so they wanted me to ask him, you know, what kind of investment we were gonna be making in online. Um, and this was, gosh, this was probably 2001, maybe. Was, wow. Yeah. And so they were asking because they they were, they you know, their budget was, wasn't very much. And, uh, you know, they were wanting to know what kind of investment Blockbuster was going to make in online. And so I actually was able to ask the question of John Antiaco. And um, he said that they were playing it by ear that they just they wanted to wait and see what was going to happen. And I think that was, you know, we missed out on buying Netflix. And I think a lot of it was just kind of this cautious wait and see. I mean, it's and part of it, I think, too, was arrogance. You know, we're of course we're bigger, we're bigger than the next six competitors combined. You know, we've got this huge market share. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. And this Netflix thing, you know, it's sounds kind of gimmicky and i don't know if that we want to go do all of this so let's let them kind of pave the way and if it's successful then we'll just copy their um, business model exactly yeah. and uh, unfortunately you know it was just too little too late and and uh once you know netflix made their name uh you know it was kind of hard to catch up and then the other thing too is they didn't have the overhead that blockbuster did i mean you have six thousand stores that are paying rent right and uh and you've got all these employees and you know it's just that's too much overhead and you can't be we were too big to be flexible and nimble enough to switch from you know overnight from having all these stores to being online only so that's it, that was difficult exactly there's a um do you know when uh when was antiaco um out he was what until oh. i can't even remember was it was it the late 2000s i just can't remember how long yeah i think he, stuck he around. was what, what? I want to say he was there when I left in 2005. That sounds about right. But I don't yeah. know how much longer. I actually, uh, when I was working at Borders, um, and it was actually, actually after he was ousted, and I don't know how long after. It was like maybe just a few months. But I saw him at the Borders bookstore that I worked at because he had an apartment that was in the uptown neighborhood where the store was that I was working. And I actually saw him there and I was like stunned that he was there. I was like, Hey, how's it going? And, uh, you know, I asked him, you know, what, what his plans were. And he's like, well, I don't know, you know, I'm probably going to take some time off and, you know, just kind of sit back. And I was like, okay. There's, that, there's an that, interesting 
quote I read recently or less than a quote, more of an exchange. And I, I don't know how much truth there is to it from Antiaco's side, but um, it came from Reed Hastings, who is the Netflix CEO, who had said that he was basically laughed out of the room by Antiaco and Blockbuster when he pitched for them to, you know, go in, you know, as partners with him in the company and basically buy it, you know, combined. Yeah, I heard that story too. But, but the story, the part that I really loved was when Blockbuster online came out their version of netflix reed hastings said in an interview blockbuster is throwing everything but the kitchen sink at us to try to compete and john antiaco actually mailed him a kitchen sink kitchen sink day. yeah I and remember that yes, I is that. genius yeah that <laughs> well you know he was he was a very like down-to-earth guy i mean yeah whenever i would you know whenever i saw him he was always wearing like one time i saw him come to work wearing a hawaiian shirt i mean he had a very <laughs> strict he had a very strict no tie policy so um unless unless the uh the corporate employee was meeting with like an outside vendor or something like that they didn't wear ties in the office um, that's awesome yeah the the only time i the only times that I saw him wearing suits was when he was going to court. <laughs> yeah. Cause when they got, when we got sued for the whole late fee thing. Oh yeah. Uh, that was in, in Dallas district court. And so, uh, yeah, he would be wearing his suit when he was going to court. I remember but, when we got the, uh, the had to have the big store meeting to go over exactly what we were supposed to say to people when they oh, yeah. asked us about that. Extended viewing fees. Yes, the restocking and extended viewing fee. Yes. We actually, as a joke, um, with some of our uh, more um, frequent customers uh, mm-hmm. that would get the joke, we made a late fee chance cube. Um, <laughs> and we had this one customer who was a former employee um, who uh, we rolled at one time. It said, your late fees are valid. Did the Jedi mind <laughs> trick thing. And he goes, I'm a Drydarian. Your silly Jedi tricks don't work, don't on, work me. on me. <laughs> and my store manager came over and pushed me out of the way and went, late fees removed. And I walked away. And I was like, all right, that's awesome. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was just the best job. I mean, just... Wasn't talking it? to people, talking to people about movies. I mean, my gosh, that was the best. And that was something I think, you know, if, if it trickled down and now, now that I'm kind of honing in on the years, then Antiaco was really, um, in control was kind of my favorite years at the company. And, you know, talking to other people that kind of delved into the corporate side or worked closer to it than, you know, us on the coast out here were, it really sounds like, you know, whether the business model was, you know, behind the times or not, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. They pull down that. Yeah. Okay. So it was a retail job. And of course, retail jobs aren't going to pay great. And of course, you know, this is, but it, it felt like we were working in a niche store, but on a worldwide scale. Right. Oh, yeah. Like it yeah. felt I mean, it like. Was- because you it felt like the company your, go ahead you'd see the regulars every tuesday when the new releases came out and yeah i mean it was yeah it was just your local 
like you said, hangout. I mean, people would come in every week and, you know, all your regulars and you knew them well. And yeah, I mean, that was a lot of fun. So I'll, I'll let you in on a secret because it's starting to become more real. And so I'll say it on this show and you can be going to say you're saying it on the show. So it can't be that much of a secret. Well, I'm letting you in. You're, 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 I think the first guest I've had that I've told about this. Um, so, um, because tomorrow night I'm meeting with a venue to discuss my first ever live taping of an episode of this. Um, I'm going to have most of my original staff from the Salem store in Salem, Massachusetts on board to do a panel style version of this at a club in downtown Salem, a little like rock club type place, a nice and intimate, small type of thing. And the idea is come see your crew because my buddy, Tim, who's going to be one of the guys on the panel still gets on the bus and people will go, Oh, you're the blockbuster guy. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what I mean? So I, I think this has a potential to be a really cool thing. And if it gets legs, I, I plan to do more because, um, you know, maybe people will be interested. I don't know. It's, it's just a personal passion project kind of thing for me, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's just that nostalgic feeling about Blockbuster. I think whenever you bring up Blockbuster to anybody, I mean, there's positive feelings about it. It's just, you know, and, and a lot of people will say, oh yeah, I miss those days of going to the video store. But of course they don't miss them that much because we're not around anymore. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think society is getting to a point now where, you know, going outside of your home is like a crazy thing to do. But I mean, I go to the grocery store and I see all these um, online shopping carts where the store employees are filling online orders and then people drive up to the store, don't get out of their car because the the groceries are delivered right to their car. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's that, that sense of, you know, community that I think is lost because People don't, I mean, there's, of course, the bars and that kind of thing, but, uh, but, you know, there's fewer and fewer reasons to go out and, and meet with people. And I think, you know, the local Blockbuster store was one of those places where you could go in there and see all your neighbors and stuff because they're all there too. So, right. They're all there. And like I said, it's like a zombie type effect. Like we all just had to be there. It's like, I don't even know what's coming out this week. I just know I have to be there. Right. You know, Um, and browsing the shelves. I mean, it was just, and you know, when you talk to people who used to work for blockbuster and you've been on that, remembering the blue and gold site. Oh, I love that. Everybody talks about how that was the best job they ever had. And like I said, I I only worked there for like seven or eight years. And I, I, we still, every time we get together, no matter what the conversation ends up about Blockbuster. Yeah. 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 I really think it's, it's one of those just, you know, nostalgic places that, you know, when people think about it, it, it brings back positive feelings and I don't know. It's just one of those, like a bygone era. And I, uh, I don't know if you've got a chance to hear the episodes yet, but I've got three episodes of this with the uh, employees of the last blockbuster in the world out there wow. in Bend, Oregon. And they, yeah. it's, it's incredible to talk to them because like I say, you know, I, I did this show for the nostalgia, 
you know, so you and I could have a conversation like this um, right. about something we miss, and they're living it still. Yeah, and Sandy, who runs the store, has been doing it since two thousand. It's not like she's new to this, right? Like, it, yeah. it, it's incredible. It's like a time capsule, you know. It's it like is. You're going back in time when you visit that place. It's... And and it doesn't sound like they're going anywhere. I mean, she yeah. like she doesn't have any corporate entity backing her up with signage or um, movies to put on the shelves. She goes around all the local Best Buys and places and buys their movies and turns yeah. them into rental copies. Yep. You know, but she says, you know, like when Bumblebee came out, I think they said they had 130 copies. Jeez. Like that doesn't sound like a store that's not doing well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like they're still getting it done. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. So um, there's only one left. It is sad and it happened so quick, right? It went from like 10 to one in like a nine month period. Yep. That's kind of nuts. I mean, when you, when you think about what did they say? It used to be a new blockbuster opened every 19 minutes for like a good four year period. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, when I first, uh, I mean, Colorado now, but when I first moved to Dallas after I uh, got out of school and when I first, you know, after working in the zone office and then going back to the stores, um, in the Dallas area at that time, and this was 1990, I guess this was 93. Um, I mean, I, as an assistant manager, I got all kinds of overtime because I would be helping open stores and it was like, we were opening stores left and right. I mean, there at one time there was an intersection in Dallas. It was a really busy intersection, but there was a, a blockbuster store on one side of the street and a blockbuster store on the other side of the street. Just like two, Starbucks. Yeah, they were on two of the four corners of that intersection. It was crazy. I was like, there's, I mean, you could see the one blockbuster from the other. It was just. It so was did nice. you ever have situations where one would be out and the other one wouldn't be? So you'd like run across the street for people? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't work at that store, but uh, I'm sure That's there were. wild. Times. I'm sure there were times they were on the phone with each other saying, hey, you got any copies of this? Okay, I'm going to send well, some people. Also, out of every Blockbuster, that has to be probably the most incorrect Dropbox drops. <laughs> Gotta be, right? Well, well, come on. You guys are right across the street from each other. I mean, it was bad enough we got the, come on, Lynn's only one town away. Why can't I drop this here? Yeah, I wonder. Uh... I wonder. I wonder if they were the same store code or if they had two different store codes. I would hope they did it as the, but again, they didn't have a way to link the inventories. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, they would have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that would work. So I guess they would have had to been two different store codes, but yeah, I'm sure they, they would run across the street like three times a day returning movies that were put in the wrong. That must've been an inventory nightmare. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm hey, sure. but at least they were busy. That's a cool thing to hear, man. Um, but that that uh, the 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 main store because there was the one there was one that had been there for a long time that actually helped open. That was the main store, and then the one across the street was kind of a smaller version. But right. the main store was one of those where they um, there was a bunch of different um, like pilot programs that they were trying out, and one of them was continuous inventory where every uh, movie had an RFID tag. And, um, so like when you did the, the FOS report, 
Yeah. The, uh, it, there was like continuous inventory. So like it would be scanning for those RFID tags and it would know what's there and what's not. And so the FOS report was like automatic. It would know whether the movie was there or not. Of course, you'd have to f- still find the movie. It was somewhere in the store, but you knew it was there. So um, oh, that's that was super cool. Yeah, that was something that they tested out, but I, I think it was probably too expensive to do. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you would just to to your inventory was done several times a day by the the scanners. So. Yeah, you didn't have to do like monthly inventories because you knew exactly what was in the store at any given time. Continuous inventory would have been awesome. I could yes. see it. It's probably either too expensive or I would almost guarantee that would have needed some sort of overhaul on the uh, actual um, operating system they were running on. That just yeah. sounds like something that would bog it down. Yeah. Yeah, especially those old systems that we're using. Jeez. They're still using them. Yeah. And uh, I mean, th- they were telling me they, uh, when the corporates went down, they kind of compiled all the old systems into one main location and started distributing them out to the franchises to just have as backups. Wow. And so she has them all now. That's <laughs> she awesome. said she's got a storage room with just full, just if a cash register breaks, I don't have time to call an IT person here. I'm just going to swap it out. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> And I, I mean, I remember uh, originally that store codes were just um, a number and a letter or two letters. It was like the the first store that I worked at was uh, instead of like a five digit uh, num- store number, it was 7Z. That oh, wow. 7Z was the store code. So, yeah, way back when. And then they changed it to the five digit yeah. store codes. I worked at 25032 and 2502. 26 and 25069 and 25038. Yeah, when I, uh, I I can't remember all the ones I worked at. I know 48479 was the corporate headquarters store. That's so nuts. I uh so what did the corporate headquarters store look like? Like did it look like a regular blockbuster or was it fancy? No, it was it wasn't really. I mean, it was kind of fancy in that it was like in the corner of the building. So we had all the big um, windows and everything that the, that was, you know, from the building. And then um, we had like 25 foot ceilings, something like that. Damn. And then um, what was really cool was um, above the, because the ceilings were so high above where the, uh, the movie shelves ended there was a big gap between there and the ceiling so they put in all of these like movie posters in these really cool flexi uh, plexiglass frames and so all along the walls were these movie posters i'm trying to remember what all they were i know breakfast at tiffany's was one yep gone with the wind um, but the coolest one and the one that I want, cause I was there when that store shut down, I was, I was the one that closed it down and we had like an original star Wars poster and I wanted it so bad. And I talked to, um, the facilities manager and everything, you know, and the, and the, uh, one of the, um, 
uh, signage people. And I was like, I want that poster. I mean, I had been the, the manager of that store off and on for like eight years. Right. And so I was like, if anybody gets that poster, it should be me. And uh, unfortunately, the uh, the regional manager um, confiscated it and put it in his office. I was oh. so, I know it was the it was the one with with Luke Skywalker holding the the yep. lightsaber and you know Princess Leia at his feet and all this stuff. I mean, it was just so cool, and it was an original because uh, I mean they spent big time money. At, at one point, they thought about. Um, using part of the store for like memorabilia, you know, like really nice, expensive memorabilia. Like the Warner Brothers store and the Disney store do. Exactly. I I like that. Exactly. They wanted to to put in uh, display cases and all that, but I don't know. uh, I don't know why they didn't, but. That would have been cool. Yeah, it would have been. It would have been really neat. But, uh, oh, I remember. on i want to say it was on the 32nd floor i'm not sure but um they had a private screening room uh in the corporate headquarters building uh it was i think they spent like a quarter of a million dollars on it and uh i mean it was just like this theater room and i know there were a couple of movies that were filmed in dallas and they would actually um show the dailies like the director and and uh and I don't know who else, but um, they would screen the dailies from their um, shoots uh, in that um, screening room. Oh, so but, you know, that's awesome, too. Yeah, it was really cool because um, I knew one of the guys that, like, one of the facility guys that, like, had access to the room. And so uh, one time we went up there and he showed uh, he showed Phantom Menace. Um, he showed the pod racing scene <laughs> and that was so cool. It was so cool. Cause the, I mean, the sound system and everything, it was just amazing. And there were like these plush recliner chairs and all this stuff. It was a really neat place. Um, but yeah, he, we snuck in there and he, he showed it to me and I was like, this is incredible. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That was a pretty, pretty cool place dude this is this is awesome so uh i am getting to the point where i'm incredibly tired um <laughs> it's but, only uh, quarter to one there yes um but this has been awesome dude um yeah. i want to ask you do you have anything you haven't mentioned yet or just some memory whether it's a memory of like something that you and the crew did or a movie release or just any like closing thought um that, that you want to leave people with um, before we uh, move on to the wrap up game. So um, did you ever see the movie empire records? Oh yeah. So that's like one of my favorite, I mean, almost famous is my favorite movie. Oh, um, awesome. But yeah. I mean, just the music alone is incredible. I mean, there are so few movies where you, there's a scene that just make gives you goosebumps but when they're on the bus and they're singing Tiny Dancer, oh my gosh. I yep. mean, that is a goosebump moment. Like, I'm getting them right now just talking about Me it. Me too. It's a mo- movie's a personal favorite. I uh, And I was I was fairly young when that came out and I saw it. And just like, it, it resonated with me and made me nostalgic for feelings that I hadn't even had yet. 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I loved that about it. Yeah. Cameron Crowe is just amazing. And, you know, uh, say anything. I mean, geez. But, uh, but yeah, that movie was, was incredible. But anyway, but about Empire Records, um, the store that I worked at in Houston, the first store where I worked, that it had that kind of vibe. When I watch that movie, I think about that first store that I worked at because, you know, I was friends with all the people that worked there. We hung out, you know, after work because, uh, you know, you get off and it's, you know, 1230 at night, but you're still kind of amped from right. The and and so, everybody else is asleep. So you got to it's like, oh, we we've been here. We might as well hang out. Right. So, yeah. So we'd go out and 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 do stuff after work and just I mean, just really tight knit and just so much fun. And so when I watch that movie, that's what I think about. I think about that first store that I worked at and and how much fun it was and the crazy times that we had. And just I remember that we uh, I think Little Mermaid had come out not too long before. I'm trying to think. Uh, I know Beauty and the Beast came out during that time, but um, we we would play Little Mermaid like on a constant loop on the uh, on the uh, TVs, and it was just like I knew every word to that movie. Oh yeah, we kept playing it over and over again. I think we wore the tape out. We must have, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just those those feelings of. You know, I mean, I was in college and just, you know, being buddies with everybody that worked there and just the good times that we had. It's pretty amazing. That's awesome, man. Well, well, thank you for that. Now, now comes to the reason I had you hold on to those quotes. I am uh, me and my buddy at work came up with a movie game um, okay. and we play it on lunch. You know, we, we came up with a few of them and I decided one day that I would try to turn it into a real game. And so the game is played similar in the same fashion of games like Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity, where okay. you have a hand of 10 somethings. In this case, it's a hand of Ooh. 10 movie quotes. And okay. I put the movie they're from on there just, you know, because I figure in the real game, you know, someone's going to hear the quote and they might not remember what movie it's from. And I'd rather not have the game turn into people trying to guess that because the fun part here is. We, I, I've, I've created a spreadsheet with a random number generator that's going to pick a movie. I have 150 movies, and it's going to pick one. And we're going to do three rounds. And like in Cards Against Humanity or a game like that, you and I have to come up with a quote that is not from the movie that is picked by the number generator, basically, and come up with the one that we feel best fits with that movie even though it's not the quote from that movie. So okay. it's called it's called Right Quote, Wrong Movie. And right. an example of this is Titanic. I think we're going to need a bigger boat. See? Uh-huh. <laughs> or The Passion of the Christ. If someone asks if you're a god, you say yes from Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So um, I'm, I like playing this with guests. Sometimes I do it as an icebreaker. Sometimes I do it at the end, but um, it's just a fun little thing. So if you'd humor me for a few minutes, um, we can play okay. this silly game. Sound good to you? Sounds great. All right. So you have your quotes in front of you. I do. Um, and I have mine. And I do not remember what yours were. I just let it randomly generate them. And then I sent them to you. But I have three rounds with three movies. And so... Um, round one, pick a number between 
103 and 145. Um, let's go with 27. 27. And if you don't know the movie or neither of us. Okay, The Evil Dead. Okay. I take it you've seen it. Um, or no other. Evil Dead Part 2. All right, perfect. Well, e- either way, perfect. So now you yep. have to pick a quote that you think would either in a funny way or an ironic way or just a dumb way would go with the evil dead. Go for it. Uh, let's see. How about what do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula. I love it. <laughs> Lion King, right? <laughs> you got it. And I've got leave the limbs. You lost. Those belong to me. Kill bill. Ah, oh, nice. So, um, what do you, th- and again, the, you know, the real game would be played with more than one person, uh, more than two people, but what do you think? Which one of our quotes do you think is better? Oh, I like yours better. Yeah. I was going to say me too. So I got round one. Okay. <laughs> no, um, and, and I, I'm going to let the fans, the people listening vote too. And again, this is more just for fun. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're movie guys, right? So round sure. two, pick a number from three to one forty-five. Uh, let's go 54. Phantasm 2. Have you ever seen any of the Phantasm movies? I have not. All right, pick another one. A lot of horror films in here. Uh, Yeah, my my buddy Fred helped me make it. (laughs) Apocalypse Apocalypse Now. Seen it. All right, so go for it. Uh, Apocalypse Now. Uh, Let's see. I'm looking. I'm looking. Do, do, do. Uh, where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, see, that's perfect. The best I have is forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting from Man mm. on Fire. Nice. So, what do you think? I'm leaning with you in this round. I don't know about you. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. All right. Round three, three to 145. Uh, let's go with 49. 49. Mary Poppins. Oh, great. Uh, let's see. Mary Poppins. Jeez. Uh, All right. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Nice. I'm going to put, because it just completely changes the connotation of Mary Poppins, and um, somehow I ended up with two quotes from Kill Bill on my list. That woman deserves her revenge, and we deserve to die. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you get it. So, see, you get the gist of this. I could see this being a lot of fun. So, I'm going to try to market this sometime down the road. So, that's right, quote, wrong movie. Um, And, uh, yeah, so this has been Brett Klein. Brett Klein, right? I got that right. I'm not yes, like shutting it. my brain off. I'm realizing like, am I just going to say the wrong name? Like, and just ruin this day. Um, this has been the Talkbuster podcast and Brett, before we sign out, is there anything you want to plug on here or mention? Is there any, um, is there another show you listen to on the web or a movie you've seen recently that you really like, or just something that you do that you want to tell the world about? Um, geez. Oh, so one of your quotes on here from The Matrix, I know yep. Kung Fu, that reminded me of the TV show Chuck. Have you seen yes, that? Yes, yes. Love that show. That show is the bomb. Well, there you go, man. So the Talkbuster podcast and Brett Klein wants you to watch Chuck if you've never seen it. That was a great show. So yep. um, 
thank you very much, Brett. Um, sure. And, uh, you know, if you ever um, have more stories and want to be on again, it's always. I only have a thousand more. But yeah, that's, no, oh. we could do it. I'm serious. Get, get in touch, you know, of course, and especially after you listen to this and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Um, so thank you and thank everyone for making this a talkbuster night or day or whenever you're listening and please be kind rewind. <laughs>